I had begged my grandmother to tell me about her, every single thing she could remember. Among the memories my grandmother shared with me was one of my mother starring in the high school play and singing a song called, I Heard That Song Before. Oh, Catherine, she sang it so beautifully. She had a lovely voice. Everyone clapped so long and shouted, Encore, Encore. She had to sing it again. Then my grandmother would hum it for me. Following the man's remark, I could not hear the rest of what was said except for her whispered, Don't forget, as she left the chapel. The man had stayed. I could hear his agitated breathing. Then, very softly, he began to whistle the tune of the song my mother sang in the school play. After a few bars, he broke off and left the chapel. I waited for what seemed forever, then I left too. I hurried down the stairs and back outside, and of course never told my father that I'd been in the house or what I had heard in the chapel. Who those people were, I don't know. Now, twenty-two years later, it is important to find out. The only thing that I have learned for certain, from all of the accounts of that evening, is that there were a number of overnight guests staying in the mansion, as well as five in household help, and the local caterer and his crew. But that knowledge may not be enough to save my husband's life, if indeed it deserves to be saved. 22 Years Later I grew up in the shadow of the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. By that I mean I was born and raised in Englewood, New Jersey. In 1932, the grandson of Englewood's most prominent citizen, Ambassador Dwight Morrow, was kidnapped. Furthermore, the baby's father happened to be the most famous man in the world at the time, Colonel Charles Lindbergh, who had flown the first solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean in his single-engine plane, the Spirit of St. Louis. My grandmother, who was eight years old at that time, remembers the blazing headlines. Time passed, memories faded. Today, Englewood's most prominent residence is the Carrington Mansion, the stone castle-like structure that I had stolen into as a child. All these thoughts went through my mind as for the second time in my life I went inside the gates of the Carrington estate. Maybe it was the memory of my father being dismissed by the Carringtons only a few weeks later that made me suddenly feel self-conscious and awkward. The bright October morning had changed into a windy, damp afternoon, and I wished that I had worn a heavier jacket. I had twisted my hair into a bun, but the wind tore at it as I walked up the steps and rang the bell. A man who looked to be in his mid-fifties, with a receding hairline and narrow, unsmiling lips, opened the door. He said that Mr. Carrington was expecting me and I should come in. I dutifully followed my escort down a corridor to the library. Miss Lansing is here, Mr. Carrington, he said. I'll be in the office. From that remark, I guessed he was an assistant. Peter Carrington was seated in a wide leather chair, his feet on a hassock. The lamp on the table beside him not only illuminated the book he was reading, but spotlighted his handsome profile. He was wearing reading glasses, which sat on the bridge of his nose, and slipped off when he looked up. Retrieving them, he laid them on the table, removed his seat from the hassock, and stood. There was a quiet authority about Peter Carrington that he retained even as he smiled and extended his hand. You write a persuasive letter, Catherine Lansing. Thank you for letting me stop in, Mr. Carrington. I knew he was studying me, just as I was studying him. He was taller than I had realized, with the narrow body of a runner. His eyes were more gray than blue. 
I knew he was forty-two years old. That meant he would have been about twenty the day I crept into this house. I wondered if he had been home for that party. It was possible, of course. In late August, he might not yet have gone back to Princeton, where he had been a student. He invited me to sit down in one of the two matching armchairs near the fireplace. I've been wanting to have an excuse to have a fire, he said. This afternoon, the weather cooperated. I have a master's in library science, my passion for books having made that a natural career choice. Since graduation five years ago, I've been working at the Englewood Public Library and am heavily involved in our community's literacy project. Now I was in this impressive library, with my hat in my hand, as my grandmother would say. I was planning a fundraiser for the literacy program and wanted to make it spectacular. There was one way I was sure I could get people to pay $200 for a cocktail reception, and that would be if it were held in this...